Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Wednesday, June 16th. Today on the show, we've got your golden nuggets. We've got some really interesting insight from Milwaukee Admirals head coach Carl Taylor about prepping John Hines and the Predators for their playoff series. Pecorine wins another award. But we begin with a phenomena that happens in sports conversation about Derrick Henry and the Titans that maybe only bothers me. The 440 is brought to you by the Kingston Group, Nashville's locally owned award-winning custom home and remodeling firm. They have been so good at what they do that they are pushing the boundaries of what a construction and renovation firm actually looks like. They have an in-house design team. They're expanding to acquire experienced project managers. They set the price and the budget on the front end of the project, and they manage you all the way through until the very end to make sure that your vision for your home comes to life. Check out the website, buildkg.com. That's buildkg.com. And remember the name, the Kingston Group. So there is a phenomenon that takes place in sports talk circles these days, on air, social media, or even just when we're having conversations with our friends. And it is the idea that something is, quote, not even close or not even debatable, it's a common refrain in which people use all too quickly to try to prove themselves correct in an argument. I see it all over the place in every type of sports media, as if the word clearly, single-handedly can win you the argument. The word factually tends to follow closely behind as well. As in, it's factually obvious that Derrick Henry is the best running back in the NFL. It would appear there is some lack of understanding of the words in that sentence. If someone informed can make a reasonable argument against your opinion, even if you disagree with them then it's clearly very debatable. Titans fans, let me try this exercise with you. Is Derrick Henry the best running back in the NFL? Maybe, but I wouldn't say clearly or not even close. There are four or five guys, I don't know, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, along with Henry, on a top tier of the best of the best. I feel very comfortable saying that these are clearly the best running backs in the NFL. What I do not feel comfortable saying is that one of them is clearly and obviously the best of that group, including Henry. I feel very comfortable saying that Henry is by far the best running back for this Titans team. But is he a more complete player who can do more things than some of those other guys? Is it possible that some coaches who run a very different scheme than the Titans might think that another running back might be better suited skill set wise for their offense? Of course it is. Henry doesn't do the same things as those other guys, and those other guys don't do the same things as Henry. They are all different players with different strengths and weaknesses, but they are all ridiculously talented. But by definition, it's very debatable. Which brings us back to my initial point, which really isn't about Henry at all. Titans fans, I'm sure you believe he's the best running back in the world, and that's okay. That's your prerogative. The point is, is that within debates and discussions about sports, if two reasonable people disagree about something that is purely an opinion, then by definition, those phrases, factually obvious, not even close, not even debatable, they just don't apply. The real issue is, and this applies to so much more than just sports, is that we simply can no longer just agree to disagree. Many times, we in the media ask unanswerable questions on purpose to get people riled up and arguing with each other on two sides of a discussion. And that's okay. Sports debates are fun and baked into being a fan. But we also need to be better about realizing when we've reached the portion of the discussion where we have to look at each other and say, I disagree with you, and that's okay. 
But you know what definitely doesn't sell or get clicks is two reasonable human beings having rational discussions, coming to a disagreement, and realizing that life is still okay. Pecorine kept the Nashville Predators offseason award streak alive on Monday evening when he won the King Clancy Memorial Trophy. What is the King Clancy, you might ask? Well, it's not a quote-unquote major award in the NHL, but its description should come as no surprise considering who won it. The trophy is presented to the player who best exemplifies leadership qualities on and off the ice and has made a noteworthy humanitarian contribution in his community. It's hard to argue that Pecorine doesn't fit that mold. He's basically been doing all of those things every step of his 15-year career. In fact, he was a finalist for this award three years in a row. He beat P.K. Subban and San Jose's Curtis Gabriel for the hardware this season, and with the win, becomes the first Nashville Predators player in history to win two NHL awards. He was the Vesna Trophy winner back in 2018 as the league's top goalie. For lack of a better phrase, few athletes have walked the walk the way Pecorine has. Is he a Hall of Fame goaltender? Maybe not. It's probably debatable. He's right on the line. But is he a Hall of Fame human being? That is one thing that there is no debate about. It's factually proven. The Milwaukee Admirals are the Nashville Predators AHL feeder club in a normal year. If you didn't know, Milwaukee didn't have a season last year and instead joined with the Carolina Hurricanes farm team in Chicago for the entire season. It created a bizarre working relationship between division rivals and their coaching staffs. We had Admirals head coach and rising star Carl Taylor on the Gold Standard pod this week, and he gave us some fascinating insight into how that bizarre situation might have actually helped the Predators in the playoffs. Yeah, it was interesting. There's no question. And uh, we all got along very well. We all knew it was going to be a little different, but we didn't just coach our players to your point about players that went up and, and then played against Nashville in the first round of playoffs. So it's, it's a very interesting situation. It also allowed both teams to uh, have an inside scoop on how teams play, maybe advantage to us a little bit in that department because they were running the systems. It wasn't us because it was their team. So it allowed us to have a little sneak peek of what we might see, but uh it was, it was very different, but I would say it was a huge success from the players' perspective. But it was it was difficult for all our staff from Milwaukee, for sure. If you, if you ask any uh, coaching staff on any team at any level, they're going to take all the information they can. And when they're in a, heading into a playoff series, doesn't mean you're going to deliver all that information to the players. They have to uh, work their way through it and decide what are the main key areas they want to highlight for their team. And you can't talk about the other team the whole time. That's just a waste of time. you got to focus on what you have and what you are doing. Uh, but it was definitely something uh, we talked with the staff. And it's just the way it was. We're, we, we shared some things, and they used some, and they didn't use some other stuff. And John and I talked quite a bit. Uh, we think about the game pretty similar. And, uh, there's a lot of similarities in, in uh, how we want things to occur. So I think moving forward and having John and I running these two organizations, I think there'll be a good opportunity for the teams to play similar and be a very smooth transaction moving forward. That was Carl Taylor, head coach of the Milwaukee Admirals, and I'm just fascinated by the idea of working with your division rival, a team you're going to play in the playoffs, learning about their scheme, and then being able to translate that to John Hines and their coaching staff, and it might actually help them compete in a playoff series.
I just think that's one of the most fascinating things I've ever heard in sports. And Carl's a guy that could be behind an NHL bench very, very soon. You can hear our entire conversation on the Gold Standard Podcast. This week, we covered the differences between working under Peter Laviolette and John Hines, balancing development and winning, and we touched on probably half a dozen players, including Alex Carrier, Ellie Tolvanen, and Philip Tomasino. He's a great interview, and we had a lot of fun talking with him. So go check out that interview on the Gold Standard Podcast. It's Wednesday on the show, and so we finish with your golden nuggets from the boys, of course, at the Club and Country Podcast, Wes Bowling and Tim Sullivan. Just exactly where is this Nashville SC offense relative to the same point in the season last year? The issue, of course, was goals. Nashville scored nine of them this year. It's 11th in Major League Soccer. It's pretty good. It's really good, though, when you compare it to last year. They had just scored four times in those first seven matches last year, and it's a product, of course, of more chances. This year, they've taken 46 Shots on target. And at this point, Tim, last year, they'd taken just 29. Yeah, we've, or at least I've, been pretty consistent that the results should come if the process continues. And and that's the reason why. You see the XG numbers. You see the shot numbers. Uh, We don't need to rehash too much of that. But the fact that some guys are are below last year's conversion rates or even their historic rates to uh, in comparison to XG, it probably means that the, the, the groundwork is there. Now, that doesn't guarantee that the finishing will all of a sudden be where it was historically or where it was last year. But certainly you see that the pieces are in place that um, not only is this club already performing better than it did through seven games last year, but the the level of performance even has some more upside in comparison. All kinds of reason for optimism there. Wes Bowling and Tim Sullivan giving you your golden nugget for the show this week. Of course, check out the podcast Club and Country everywhere podcasts are found. Those guys unrivaled coverage of Nashville SC soccer out every single Tuesday right here on the 440 Sports Network. Of course, the 440 brought to you every single morning by the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. Go look at it. Go check it out. Use your eyeballs. They don't lie to you. The website speaks for itself. The work speaks for itself. Their clients speak for themselves. It's why my family uses the Kingston Group. When we wanted to add a big project to our property, we went with the Kingston Group because we trust them. We know that they stand behind their work. Check out the website, buildkg.com, if you don't believe me. Have I mentioned the website, buildkg.com? The Kingston Group, a name you can trust, an award-winning, locally-owned custom home and remodeling firm. Go check it out, buildkg.com. Thank you guys all for listening, of course. Much appreciated. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter, at Braden Gall. Please share the show. Just tell one of your friends about the product. If you like getting a quick, short burst of sports update in Nashville about the state of Tennessee, uh, we really appreciate it. Please, again, share the show with somebody that you know. You can follow the company on the socials as well, at 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook, at 440 Media on Instagram. Otherwise, thanks for listening. This has been the 440 for Wednesday, June 16th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler. 